The series that we're doing is, um, it's important, it's, it's hugely important because it's, it's about our, our idea of God, our concept of God, our understanding of God. And, and if you think about it, really what could be more important than that? Um, and I'm even going to include, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit today about those that have decided for uh, there isn't a God. And, um, you know, you may be here, you, you may uh, have a friend who's watching online, um, but I, I think it's important to consider that option, if you will. Um, this holiday, somebody showed me an, an atheist giving a, a speech, I think it was at Google, and, uh, and I listened to it, um, and man, what an interesting, intelligent uh, quality talk this guy gave. And uh, not only that, but I did a little research, research on him, and I found out he's actually done a, an, a, an incredible amount of selfless things. And so I'm thinking intelligent person, interesting, um, high, it seemed like a high-quality per person, and all I could do while I was listening to this atheist talk, it was really respect and, and admire him. And, um, but what I realized is all he could push away from during his speech was what I will call his childhood version of God. And I think this is important to talk about a little bit. I felt bummed because when I watched it, I was thinking, I'd love to talk to this guy. Now, since then, I've watched him do some debates with Christians and whatever, and I definitely would not want to debate this guy. Uh, the guy has a razor-sharp mind and a razor-sharp tongue, and he sliced a couple of guys up pretty good in the debate. And I thought, I would not want to debate him, but I would love to have a conversation with him. Stay with me? Um, and I... His debate, one of them that I watched, he was angry in a few of them. I mean, really angry. Angry at religion. And so I did a little research. I did a little digging to learn a little bit about his life. He's since passed away. And I learned a few things. One, he grew up in a Christian boarding school. Christian boarding school. Now... This is my experience as I've been learning over the years. People who have religion shoved down their throat are often the ones that react the most violently against it. People that go to moderate churches or have kind of, you know, they don't have as visceral of a reaction. My own experience also, I've worked with several Christian schools firsthand and watched the unbelievable visceral reaction of so many students who parents thought, I'm giving them this wonderful opportunity, but what they didn't realize was they were shoving something down their throat. Now, I'm doing this series for a couple of reasons. One, as I said last week, we become what we worship or who we worship. It's just, we start to justify who we are based on the, the God that we worship. So your image of God is a very important idea because you start to become that. The other th reason I'm doing this is because 
we reject, listen, what we can no longer worship. So if you have this idea of God that you were given as a child and it's not squaring with how you see life now, you can no longer respect that and so you reject it or somebody you know rejects it. Now, this may not be your issue. You say, Chris, this isn't really my issue. Um, I'm coming for something different today. But I, there's definitely somebody in your life. There's a son or a daughter or a coworker or a niece. There's somebody because the stats are too uh, staggering of the people that are just leaving altogether. And um, I want you to, first of all, know I'm not doing this out of fear or desperation or, oh, no, they're leaving. It's not that. I genuinely sense the struggle of a person that's been told all of these things about God as a child. And then they grow up and they become an adult or they go to college and they're told all these other things and they are caught in between. And so people often at that point, they just reject God. Please listen carefully to this part. Openly or subtly. Openly is, I'm an atheist. They come home, they make the big announcement, they tell everybody, they're even a little militant about it, or they're, they're advocating, they give speeches, or they, they're, I'm an atheist. They make, they put their, the, you know, when the family does the prayer, they walk in the other room, that kind of thing, all right? Um, subtly, at some point, this idea that they were told as a child doesn't square with reality that they see, and so they do it subtly. They go along, you know, they go along to the family functions, but they don't believe. They don't have to talk about it. They don't make big statements about it. But somewhere in their conscious or subconscious or in their heart, they just don't believe. Maybe they haven't even told themselves yet. Think. They start having more reasons not to get involved in spirituality or church or whatever it is. It's just other things become more interesting to them. And they don't need to make a big open statement about it. It's just they're either going along to be polite or they haven't even reconciled it here. I want to offer you another option. If you're caught or you know someone that's caught, the option is discernment. Discernment. Are you with me? I was told this about God as a kid. This is all I knew. This is what my pastor, my priest, my parents told me. Can I give, instead of feeling like I'm always harsh on the pastor, priest, and parents, let me say, most people do the best they can with what they know, right? They're just giving you what they heard, and they're, they're throwing that out there. That's, that's okay. Don't, don't stone your old pastor. Don't stone your current one, please. And be nice to your parents. But, but the reality is a lot of people got a view or a version of God from somewhere, someone, some institution, some family, even culture, culture itself. Culture is like, uh, you ever been to Lake Michigan and walk in the sand and you get stuck on your ankles? And you thought you got it all off because you went to the little rinser thing? No? no? Is everybody with me? Do you guys get out? Yeah, you go to the little rinser thing and you wash it off, but it's not off. You think it's off, but you find it in your bed two days later. It's not off, all right? Our ideas, this is important, our ideas of God are like that clingy sand culture. It, it clings to you. And so it's hard to get off. Um, and so... I'm going to offer you not, you don't have to throw God out. 
because you've discovered some things, here's the difference. Um, discernment, a finer point. You don't throw out coffee just because you had a cup of Tim Hortons. God, is that awful coffee. Is that, do I get an amen? I know some of you love it, and you're going to send me an email. Save it. You, you, you discern. You, don't, you, don't, you, just, you go, well, I don't like that kind of coffee. Are you with me? I don't like that kind of coffee. I like my coffee like this. When you first start tasting coffee, it all is just disgusting, right? But you have this taste for it. And this is an important point. Discernment's actually not that difficult. We do it all the time in areas like coffee and so many areas of our life, but we don't do it when it comes to faith that well. We just sort of put our brain over somewhere and we just, well, yeah, that, my professor, boy, he gave quite the argument about this, was in, this verse was in the Bible, so wham, throw the whole thing out. Discernment, we do all the time. Many of you guys are going to do some discernment tonight at 8 o'clock about a football game that was on at 1. In other words, this is what you're going to do. I hear it all the time. You're going to hear it for four days after the football game's over. Your team's going to lose. And then people are going to go, that team's terrible. That team's terrible. Throw the whole team under the bus. But other people are going to go, no. The reason they lost is, well, their tight end was on this, and their quarterback is struggling with pneumonia, and this, you hear me? They discern. We do this all the time. In, in incredible gory, can I just say gory detail if you listen to sports talk radio? It just goes on and on about why their team lost. They're not a bad team. It was this and this and this. But they discern whether right or wrong, they go there. Who's with me so far? But when it comes to faith, we just have this crazy either or. Well, just throw the whole thing out. I'm going to point out all the well, I won't point them all out, many of the troubled spots. So don't worry. I'm going to point them out. I'm just going to bring them up there. Say, well, this. But before I do, I'm just going to say, you're smart people. And I wasn't afraid of this atheist. A lot of people think, you know, they show me things like, oh, I'm going to be afraid of it. I buy their books. It doesn't, doesn't scare me. It doesn't intimidate me. I read one of them, uh, a guy named Sam Harris. He's one of the leading, I guess if you call that, atheist. And he wrote a, a book called The Letter to a Christian Nation. And I read the first, I don't know how many chap chapters or pages, and all I did was nod my head. Yep, yep, I agree with that. I agree with that. I agree with that. He said, Chris, you shouldn't say that. You should be up here just smearing his name. You should be up here blaspheming him. But why am I so nervous about that? Why should I be so scared? So defensive, if he points a truth out to me. Um, this one particular atheist I was talking about, he said, I'm not probably so much an atheist as, as I am an anti-theist. Like, Chris, why are you talking about it's so detailed? Who cares? Who cares? Again, you do it for football. Please don't bother me with, you know, small subjects like God. You get what I'm saying? So who cares if it's atheist versus an anti-theist? And, and all I could say was, amen to him. I actually don't find myself a theist either. I would probably 
if, if you use that term, be classified an anti-theist. Well, what's a theist? Well, it's, it's sort of the, in my view, it's the God in the sky. It's, and, and this is why this is the sand on your feet, right? Listen, you're having some conversation with somebody, so-and-so, oh, he went to church yesterday, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The big guy upstairs. Who's, right? Who's talking about the big guy? Don't lie. The big guy upstairs. This is a theistic view of God. I, I will argue later that I'm in okay company, not just with this atheist, but Jesus. That he tossed this idea of God as well. That puts us in a weird place, doesn't it? But what if, just for say, what if God is just a little different than you were led to believe as a child? By the way, I'm going to go past childhood during this series. So sometimes people have children in here. I'm just, just being polite as I can. If I blow it for your kids about a man in a suit and a red thing, you've been warned now. You've got a couple minutes to get them towards an exit. Honest to God. I mean, I just, can I have an adult conversation for five minutes? Okay. Um, all I could think of was don't get offended. I found myself cheering for this guy. Cheering. Both of these guys I was studying, atheists. Here's what I thought they were doing. Um, so Charlie, all of a sudden, taking a bath, her new thing is she's just sitting there, splash, splash, we splash, you know, we make it as fun as possible so it's an enjoyable experience. All of a sudden, she takes her face down and just sticks it in the water and starts sucking up the water. <laughs> Did anyone else deal with this problem? Please come see me afterwards, I need help. That's, that's disgusting, what? And there's bubbles and it's getting brownish and she just sticks it down. Is anybody with me? I could take it another level. I'm not going to. I'm just going to say it's disgusting. Who will con Yes, this is what I did. La God's truth. Last night, I had this little red solo cup in there. I'm just throwing the water out as fast as I can. I turn the water back on to re. Is anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm literally getting as much of the nasty water out because I can't stop her from doing everything. But we have this saying. And I never thought about this saying. I mean, I heard it and I've used it, and, but I didn't think about it until I'm there with a baby in the bathwater. <laughs> and I'm chucking bathwater out as quick as I can, but God knows I didn't throw her out. <laughs> and this is all I could think of. This is all, listen, listen, this is so important. Let's applaud. Let's applaud these guys who are throwing out the bathwater for us. All I could say was, oh, good. This atheist is throwing out all the crud. That's right. That's a lousy view of God. That's a lousy view of God. That's a lousy view of God. They're doing you a what? Although, they rub a few of you the wrong way. And the reason is because you grew up with a view of God. Can I say this? An image of God. And what I want to talk about for a few minutes is perhaps it's okay if you let that image go. I mean, if I could just probe in the mind of every person, when I say, God, something different pops into your head, that pops into your head, that pops into your head. 
Um, I found a list um, uh, that actually I borrowed a few phrases from because I thought, yeah, that, that, that sort of captures it. The theistic childhood images of God that many of us were exposed to. But the thing that you need to remember is this. To know God, you have to unknow your image of God. Did you stay? To know God, you have to unknow that image. And so I'm going to throw a few out there. You may have a hybrid of this in your life or something new. You can email me. Um, But it's interesting, isn't it? That one of the big uh, commandments, if you will, is says, don't make an image of God. Don't make one. Now, image or idol, it's translated idol. So they, in those days, he chiseled something out and like an idol, actually stone or wood. Here's what God's like. And right in the way, they go, don't do that. Why? Because the minute you make an idol or an image, you have limited God because he can't be right here. If the the idol stops here, God can't be here. Do you see how detrimental that is to the idea of God? But what we do, we don't use chisels and hammers, right? We use our parochial school, our, our childhood, and we create an image. And you get the ruler cracked down. If you, veer, if you veer from that image, perhaps these images don't represent God well. Perhaps they pass on a poor concept. And perhaps, this is what's most important, this image, this idol, this limited understanding won't serve you well. Today, people just carve them in their minds. And what I want to throw to you is that these idols, they limit our understanding of God. Ready? They frustrate you. They frustrate you. Because God's not keeping up with his image. And if you, if you are a truth teller at all, you don't need to, but you would put your hand up and say, I've been frustrated with God. But perhaps you've just been frustrated of what you've believed about God and disappoint you. Later on, we'll see how Jesus helps to free us from this. So people feel stuck. You get told certain thing as a child. You go off to college. You're given another way to see the world. And you're kind of caught and you just don't know what to do. I think it's okay that you're being true to your heart, to your mind. And, but I also want to say it's okay to leave the childish childhood version behind. So I gave you the warning. I was talking with some friends the other day and they were talking about, you know, they have children and now they're getting to the age where they're about to not believe as much in the guy with the suit. And they were talking about how they were navigating. They were explaining to me so I could explain like why I'm lying like crazy to Charlie right now. Um, But you know, it's something that sort of we all do, but we all justify, and of course, it's, it's fine. But there's a, there is a childhood version of God. 
And then what we do is people get older, and this is, can I just say this like politely? This is the church's fault. And I'll be, you know, throw me under the bus first. This is the church's fault. Because what, the, what my friends were telling me about is they said they read some article or story how they explained to them how to go back and talk to their kids about that guy with the suit in this interesting way. But in other words, whether it worked or not, they had a plan as to how to make the transition. Stay with me. The church has never given a good plan for how to make this transition. From theistic, right? The old man upstairs to a wider view. I borrowed some of these phrases, so let me throw out some of the perhaps you can identify with these theistic images, and I'll, I'll call them idols, of God. Many of you grew up with or were exposed to, all right? Um, the protector God. God's going to take care of you. He's going to protect you. And um, you don't worry about it. God will take care of you, right? Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die, beautiful prayer to teach kids. Before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. And we have all these, and then we, we, a lot of our prayers are about God protecting us, getting us from A to B. Protect my kids as they go to school. Protect, protect. Watch out for, cover me, care for me. And then something really bad happens. But you prayed, but you were always told God would just protect and then people get into all kinds of stupidness, if I could just use that phrase, where they go, well, because we're more spiritual, our family got protected, or because we attend church more, or you must have some sin in your life, or you must have disappointed God in some way. That's why God didn't protect you. It has to do with some level of your spirituality or goodness in God's eyes, which is absolute, can I just say, stupidity. I don't need to prove this point, do I? Please tell me I don't. All right, I've talked about this enough you just start to realize that's a bad view of God. In fact, ready? The great symbol of the Christian faith is a, it's, this is not a trick question, it starts with a C. <laughs> wow, this crowd's quick, man. <laughs> the great symbol of the Christian faith is a cross on which a good person suffered unjustly. Weird. We've been going around telling people, if you are good, you will never suffer unjustly. God will protect you. And yet the center symbol of the faith is actually, what? A good person suffering. A great person suffering. A really, really great person suffering unjustly. Why did we let this image of God stay? It was never there. You don't have to raise your hand. I can see in your faces. Yeah, that's what I was told. In fact, you don't have to raise your hand. I think I even passed it on to my kids a couple times. It's okay. It's what we knew. It's what we knew. If you're about to say goodbye to protector God, I salute you. Farewell. 
You say, well, Chris, but uh, don't I want God? Well, I, I want all the protection I can get. Whatever you can give me, I'll give you. But, but the idea is that if I believe that if I believe in God, nothing bad's ever going to happen to me. I'm never going to stub my toe or get in a car crash or get cancer. It's just not fair or realistic. The next one, this would be, I'm going to call him Snapchat God. You know, a little texting platform, you can could, you could just hit an instant text to somebody. Well, some of you, okay, you don't know. Okay, that's all right. Um, the, the texting God. You send God an email, you send up a prayer, and God, listen, is reasonable. So he always responds as long as your request is honorable. Because some of you grew up in church and they go, well, the reason that God isn't answering your prayer is that it's not an honorable prayer. In other words, it's a little greedy. But if you say prayers that aren't so greedy and they're just for the good, then God will answer those. Mm. And yet again, who's ever said a prayer just that, oh, just that my son would find a good girl? And he didn't. Huh? It's just like, it's not a bad prayer. It seems like a good prayer, right? Just I want to have a good, is this true? Am I out to lunch or are you guys going to stay with me for another five minutes? Like, well, this isn't working out. And so these are the experiences that people have. And they say, I just, I, I just don't know if I can believe anymore. Sometimes it's big and dramatic and sometimes it's just drifting. I just don't know if I believe in that anymore. This was definitely one that I borrowed, and I had to use the same phrase because it was too good not to use. Boyfriend, girlfriend, God. <laughs> Boyfriend, girlfriend, God is the vision of God that God always makes you feel good. You remember getting the first boyfriend or girlfriend, how good you felt, like, oh. You remember? <laughs> how stupid you act, I mean, how unique you acted for, you were just like all gushy and like, I, I think he, I think he likes me. He looked at me, you know, he sat by me. Do you remember these gushy feelings? Okay, stay, stay. It's, it's good that Anthony talked about camp because these are, this is where a lot of times students, you have these experiences, you grow up in church and you have this camp feeling. And it's like, but we, I mean, we were all crying and there was like fire and, anybody remember? It was like, I thought, I, I could feel, I've heard people tell me this, I could feel the presence of God. Nothing wrong with that. Are you with me? Nothing wrong with that. But if your concept is that it, you always have to feel or are going to feel God that way, that's not helpful. W wasn't it Mother Teresa who wrote, and we found later after she passed on, that for months she didn't feel God at all. She had doubts as to the existence of God herself. Never felt God. Can you imagine that? I had a privilege of going to Mother Teresa's compound um, when I was in Calcutta. And to see the work that she was doing there, unbelievable. Amidst the squalor and the pain and the just unbelievable poverty. And just to give of herself and like to give dignity and worth to these people. But for her not to feel God. Are you staying with me? 
Someone said this, this is helpful. You are least aware of the things in your life that are the most constant. You're least aware. Think about it. You're least aware of the things that are the most constant. Perhaps because God's most constantly there, you're just not aware. Right? You don't turn to somebody and then go, boy, the temperature in this room is just perfect. Do you? What you do is when it's too noisy or too loud or too cold in here, you tell somebody, man, it's when it's off. God's this, this abiding presence with us, but because he's always with us and abiding with us, it's constant, it's quiet. Think about this. I'll give you one more. And perhaps this is, in some ways, the biggest. Ready? Petty police officer God. You know this one. This is the God that's watching. And I want to take a vote. Who grew up with this one? I mean, watching and very interested. Mmm. Mmm. And what does this produce in you? Guilt. Guilt, guilt, guilt. And this is used to control your behavior. Now, just today, I'm away to church. I was thinking about all these things, and I'm thinking, yeah, I kind of, I, I, I still, like, for whatever reason, maybe when I, maybe I wasn't the perfect child growing up, but, man, when I see a police officer, I just freeze. Is anybody with me? Now, this is weird. I have friends that are police officers, good friends. I have family members that are in law enforcement. I know they're regular human beings, but, man, if I, so today I'm coming to church, sure enough, just coming around the corner of this, police car. I hit the brakes. Ah! Huh? Charlie's got mild whiplash. I mean, right now, I mean, why? Are you with me? Does anybody else have my issue? Some of you don't. Good for you, but I don't know why, but it's like, I know I'm doing something wrong. I know it. I know I'm busted. Translate this, and it's funny, but it's terrible for many people in faith. They're always slamming the brakes. They're always nervous. They're always disappointing God. They know for sure they've done something wrong. And it's used a fear-based. Think about it. This one may be the toughest one to leave. Because it's like the guilt never leaves. Yeah, he's right. Think about... What if that's actually not what God is? Can I say this? I think it's not only okay. Ready? I think it's not only okay for you to leave this God. I think God begs you to leave this God. I could even say commands you by quoting Exodus 20. Have no images. Have no idols. That's not going to work. Now, here's the trouble. Here's the trouble. I've been referencing this a little bit. This is the trouble. If I take this image out of your hands, right, you need something else to hold on to. Charlie's at this age where she has to have things in her hands, right? So if you're a psychologist or something and I'm screwing up, just send me an email. I need to know early. But she has to have something in her hands, has to. 
Gets up in the morning, got to have a blanket, got to have a bunny. Got to have a cracker, got to have a this, right? Last night, ugh, a battery. <laughs> and a sharp piece of plastic. She ripped off of the remote where she got the battery. And I tried to get it out of her hands, and I mean, we were like this close to absolute meltdown. Is anybody with me? And I'm weighing, I'm weighing between just rip it out of her hands, just do it, Chris, or wait till mom gets home. I opted for B. Plan B. I mean, how bad is battery acid for you anyway, right? You get something in her hands, and you got to get something. If you're going to get, you got to get something else. Here's the the challenge. Look, here's the challenge. Chris, if you take that away from me, which I'm really not trying to, if if it's serving you well, you know, have at it. But what are you going to put in its place? Along comes Jesus and blows the, the case wide open with this. And I don't have time to do the whole conversation. We've done it before here. I don't have time to do it today. It's a conversation that he's having with a woman about religion and arguments about where God lives and who's serving him right and what's the right image of God. And he just drops a bombshell. God is, ready? Spirit. God is spirit. How are you going to make an image of that? You can't carve spirit. You can't touch spirit. And we're going to pursue this further amount of time as the things go. But let me just say this. It's okay to let go of that God. In fact, as Jesus says, I don't think he was a theist either. He wasn't celebrating the old man upstairs, the big guy. He was taking it to a whole new level. And we'll we'll talk as we introduced John as well, where John's letter says, God is love. These are not as concrete, right? So we struggle with them because sometimes in our immaturity, just give me concrete. So here's the struggle, ready? This isn't working anymore because that's not happening as I was told it was going to happen. And so I'm going to throw the whole thing out because one professor told me this particular thing and um, he showed me a Bible verse, which by the way, we did the Bible thing during the next 20. That Yeah, of course you can find a verse that gives us crazy idea of God because people were growing up in their, what? Understanding.